0: Afternoon, lol Right now, um, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, Sermon on the Mount, is awesome. Jesus is preaching to a bunch of Jewish people, like well over five thousand Jewish people, on this mountain. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. He starts off by giving a new vision for what it's like to live a great life or or a life of purpose, a life of meaning. He calls it a blessed life, or the Greek word is makarios, which means a lot more than what we think of as blessed. But Jesus kind of just gives this, 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 this flip it around type idea of what it means to live a blessed life. We think it'd be a blessed life would be if you had all kinds of stuff and everything worked out well and, there were, and everyone always smiled around you and everyone was nice. But Jesus said actually a purposeful life, a, a blessed life is much more than that. And so it's called, it, it, we, we looked at that called the Beatitudes. And then Jesus gives us this this single-minded, single-focus Uh, A a purpose for the church he says I want you guys to be salt and light Right, and we guys probably heard that before jesus said be salt and light and a preservative in a world that's rotting and decaying And and we're called to be a light in a place that really is a lot is pretty dark sometimes, right? The world can be very dark and he wants us to be a salt and light in that environment and he says this, th- this in, 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 as, he's, as he's moving on, he says, unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. So we've been looking at this idea that what is it, what, what, what is it about the scribes and the Pharisees' way of doing what they're doing that, that Jesus uses as a backdrop saying, like, I want you to do the opposite of what they're doing. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, basically they have a, a bunch of set of rules, right? They, the, the, it's, it's the Mosaic law in the Old Testament, but they've taken that and they've debated how to apply these things. And they've really just come up with more rules in order how to follow the rules. And they just they just debate about this and they don't all agree. And, and it's this external righteousness. They basically believe that if they can just follow these rules, somehow they're a good person or they're right with God. And, and, they, and they create the rules to, to be in their favor, right? Do you guys ever do that? It's like, if you're going to create rules for life, we like to create ones that make it kind of easy for us to succeed. And that's kind of what they're doing, and they're, and they're misinterpreting a lot of the things that Jesus and, and the Scriptures are saying, and, 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 and it's to favor them. And they're very harsh with other people, and sometimes we do that, right? We're, we, a lot of times, the Pharisees... They like, to, um, they like to get grace and mercy themselves, but they like to be very hard on everybody else. And sometimes with our human nature, we do that, right? We, 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 we hold other people to a higher extander, standard, right? We want justice when someone wrongs us, but when we do something wrong, we want what? Mercy, Right? And so there's kind of this context. And so Jesus gives six examples in this Sermon on the Mount called antitheses, right? There's six examples of how the Pharisees and the scribes interpret the scriptures. And he says, You've heard it said by the scribes and the Pharisees, but I say to you, He's correcting the, the, the initial, God's real purpose for these things that are written. So we've looked at, he said, If you've ever. Uh, as long as you don't murder, you've heard it said, as long as you don't murder, you're pretty good, right? That's where they drew the line. As long as, I don't, as long as I don't kill anybody, then I'm a pretty good person, right? He says, no, if you've ever had anger in your heart, it's a deeper, it's a heart issue. If, if, as long as you don't commit adultery, you're fine, right? No, if you've ever looked with lustful intent. So he gets very deep into these things. He talks about divorce, and this week, last week, he talked about oaths. And this week is probably the more famous... Or the one that we like to gravitate when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 38-42, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, right? The Pharisees say things about this. You've heard, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, Let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So this is, like, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say, right? Like, go the extra mile, forgive, don't retaliate, but love, right? These scribes and these Pharisees, what they would do is they would often debate when they would get together, they would debate certain passages. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to interpret them and figure out how to apply them so that they could figure out how to judge people and how they should be judged, right? And so they would usually try to figure out a favorable way to do this. But, but it, it, it's in these antitheses, he's saying, you've heard that it was said. That's very important. He doesn't say, you've heard that it was written. When Jesus does talk about that in Matthew, you've heard that it's written. He's talking about what the scriptures actually say. But whenever he says, you've heard that it was said, he's talking about the scribes and the Pharisees and the way that they interpret it wrongly. You've heard that it was said, right? And so these Pharisees would, would debate a few different scriptures, and they're all found in the Old Testament. And the first one is in Exodus 21, 22 through 24. And that says Moses writing when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her child came out will come out. But there's no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him and he shall pay as the judge determines. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So that's what these. Pharisees are debating about that's one of the scriptures right so if these two guys get in a fight they're basically saying they're fighting and accidentally they they hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth and the baby comes out normal then there should be a fine but if it doesn't come out normal if there's if there if something goes wrong because of that accident then there's a stronger consequence right that's what he's that's what that's what Moses is saying in Exodus then in Leviticus twenty four. 17 through 20. It says whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good life for life If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done it shall be done to him Fracture for fracture eye for eye tooth for tooth Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him Any of you guys excited about these uplifting scriptures? Yeah, these are the stuff we love to read in the Old Testament, right? Or in Deuteronomy nineteen eighteen through twenty one, the judges sh- the judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you'll sh- you shall do to him as he has meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from the midst, and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eyes shall not pity if it shall be life for life eye for eye tooth for tooth hand for hand foot for foot so these scribes and these pharisees would read these passages in their in their gatherings and they would debate how do we apply these things what does this mean for our everyday life here's what they're missing these are all judicial laws we all have judicial laws and they're good every civilization that has a civil uh, a society has Rules. They have civil ra- uh, laws, laws so that the judges and the courts can can hold people accountable and keep people safe and keep people from breaking those laws and infringing upon other people's rights. Right. They're called civil laws. And, and the, the Israelites, of course, had civil laws. Right. God loves them and he's going to give them civil laws because people are sinners. Right. And they do wrong things. And we need to know how to handle these things. But they're judicial laws. In other words, what, what, what we see in these passages are things like this. Don't take matters into your own hands. Take it to the proper authority. Is that a good rule? We all believe that, right? Like when, 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 when you wrong somebody and someone, like you cut somebody off, we don't want them to like crash into us and shoot us, right? That's not how they should handle it, right? The police are there. They make rules, right? And that it's something for, for the police or, or the courts to handle, right? So we, 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 we take it to the proper authority. Or this, any punishment shall not exceed what is just. We say the punishment shall fit the crime. That's what you see in here. When he's saying an eye for an eye, he's not saying, hey, what I want you to do is to punish people. He's saying, no, don't kill somebody because they scratched you. He's saying, don't go beyond in your retaliation, in your anger. We all have this natural ability in our sin. When someone wrongs us, we want to double wrong them, right? We want vindication. We want, we, we, want, we want justice. And if they've done something that really hurt us, then we want to really hurt them, right? And we'll even go above and beyond. And so these judicial laws are saying, no, it, it, the punishment shall fit the crime. And then people are due a fair trial. Do you guys believe that, right? Of course we do that's why we m- most of us have got on netflix and we binge watch making a murderer right we love watching these thing, these these shows that kind of show us that, that here's this guy who they they accused him of committing murder and at least from the documentary right it looks like he got an unfair trial matter of fact later he got off right the first time and then if you get i don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it but we're interested with this stuff right We're interested with this stuff because we believe that people are due a fair trial, right? And and it's interesting. these, These scribes and these Pharisees, what they've done is they've taken these judicial laws and they've taken it to their everyday life. As a matter of fact, they started feeling like it's our responsibility to go around judging people, to holding people accountable. So they would argue about these things like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if someone does something to you, then the right thing to do is to get them back, teach them a lesson, right? They would start to have this attitude. In Matthew chapter 7, later on in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to say, um, don't judge. The, the, the way that you judge, you're going to be judged. And he goes, why do you go around and trying to take the two by four out of other people? I mean, the, the speck of dust out of other people's eyes when you have a huge two by four in your own eye, right? That's, that's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying the Pharisees and the scribes live like this, and they act more like sheriffs than shepherds. Sheriffs are great, right, if you're a sheriff. But if you're not a sheriff, you don't walk around with a badge and arrest people, right? And that's what they're doing. They're not the judges. They're not, they're not in charge of the, 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 the civil court, right? They're not the lawyers. These are just regular people who have taken it upon them themselves to walk around like sheriffs and police everybody. Jesus is very much the opposite of that, and he calls us to be the opposite of that. You know what the opposite of a sheriff is? A shepherd. Jesus was the great shepherd. He wasn't walking around trying to find people, doing things wrong, and then condemning them. It says that in John. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, right? that whoever should believe in him, Would have eternal life. And then the very next verse he says he didn't come to condemn people but to save sinners. Jesus is the shepherd that came to save and rescue sinners. And the scribes and the Pharisees were these legalists that were walking around trying to catch people in the act of doing bad and correcting them all the time. They were condemning people not loving people. And so Jesus wants us to be different than that. He says, unless your, unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, if you're a sheriff, that's a scribes. and the, But we're shepherds. We're shepherds to each other. We're shepherds to people. And so he gives a couple uh, uh, of examples in here of what this looks like in Jesus' teaching. He says, do not resist the evil one. Do not resist the evil one. It's important to say he's not talking about the devil here. In James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're supposed to resist the devil, the evil one, right? But when it says, do not resist the evil one, he's talking about mean people. He's talking about people who wrong you. Have you ever been wronged? Have you ever come across somebody that wasn't nice? Have you ever had somebody do something to you that wasn't nice? Come on. Right? How does it feel? And what do you think about them? You get mad, and, you, and we want to we just like retaliate, and we want to get away from them, and we want to put like mean people suck sticker on our car, right? Because we believe that. And that's what he's saying. Do not resist these evil ones. He's talking about these people who are no good in our eyes. And then he says, people who, who, who as he says, if they hit you on the right cheek, what he's basically saying, what Jesus is saying is they backhand you. Most people are right-handed, and if you hit somebody open-handed, that's a left cheek, if you think about it. If you hit backhand, that, if they hit in the right cheek, we're talking about, he says, someone comes up and they backhand you. That is an ultimate sign of disrespect. You get backhanded. Matter of fact, in Jesus' day, these scribes and the Pharisees would have read this, and they had one set of rules if you get open-handed, and it was a much Greater consequence if you get backhanded because it was an honor-shame society, and anyone would disrespect you, that was like a really big deal. He goes, if someone backhands you, let them open hand you too. What is he saying to us? Maybe you've never been backhanded, but any of you ever been disrespected? That's a I mean, that's a huge deal. He's saying when people disrespect you, how does that feel? Feels horrible. And it, and it gets under your skin, right? And it makes you want to retaliate. He goes, even if people disrespect you somehow, how are you going to handle that? And then he says, say someone files a suit against you and wins. They sue you and they take your tunic. Now, in, 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 in their days, you would often wear an undergarment and an outer garment, right? A tunic and a cloak. The tunic was your undergarment. It was like your shirt. And your, and your cloak was your outer garment. Legally, if somebody sued you, it was very valuable, and everybody had one, so it was a very common uh, a, a price to pay if, if you would sue someone for their tunic. Right? I'm suing you for your tunic. It was, the, the idea was it wouldn't, it wouldn't crush them, but it would be very inconvenient for them, and it would send a message. You give me your tunic. right? They weren't allowed to take the outer cloak legally because the outer cloak was something that kept you warm, and it doubled as a blanket at night, and that would be too cruel. Jesus says, if someone sues you and wins, give them your, your, your undergarment like they ask, but also give them your cloak, your outer garment. To these Jewish people, they would have been like, that's so far beyond what's normal. That's what you want me to do, Jesus? Have you ever had somebody sue you or, 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 just, or just accuse you of something or, or, or come after you, right, or stab you in the back? You ever have a friend stab you in the back? You ever had somebody just, like maybe a a, a co-worker that just kind of undermined you? You ever had someone talk about you behind your back? Right? This is the, the realm, like somebody who wronged you. You ever had somebody say things about you that are true, but they still shouldn't have said it? They should have kept it in confidence? Right? This is what he's saying, like when somebody wrongs you personally and it hurts. And then he says, If they force you to go a mile, in the the first century, uh, the the Roman Empire had had rule over the land. And a Roman soldier was legally allowed to take you whatever you're doing and force you to carry their stuff for one mile. That's what Jesus is talking about. The, The Jewish people hated this. It was just an infringement of your privacy. It was just like, like, it was like leadership abuse, right? You ever had somebody, like, you ever been wronged by the man, right? Anyone ever had a bad boss? I'm glad Brittany's not here now. She raised her hand, right? <laughs> Any of you guys ever had somebody that was supposed to take care of you and they didn't? Anyone? We understand that, right? That's what it was like. These, if they ask you to go one mile, that was unfair in their eyes, but there's nothing they could do about it. They were abusing their authority, and often the Roman soldiers, just, be, just in toy, just to show you in this power trip, would say, hey, you, carry my bag one mile, right? And you'd have to stop whatever you're doing or face the consequences, right, which was probably like a beating or worse, right? Can you imagine how that would feel? And Jesus goes, if they ask you to go one mile, go with them two, Beyond what they can even ask, what Jesus is saying is revolutionary to these people. And then he says, "If someone, uh, if if they if they ask you or they they beg you some for something, do not refuse the one who would ask to borrow from you." Right. A lot of times when people read this, they start to think of like homeless ministry. Right. You go on the streets if someone's begging for a dollar, give them a dollar. That is not what this is saying. Although there's other places in the Bible where where you could make that argument. I'm not saying that it would be wrong to do that. But I'm just saying, don't miss what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about the people who have wronged you. He's saying, if the people who have wronged you and disrespected you and been a bad leader to you and just been bad to you in general, and then all of a sudden you find them in need, don't retaliate, bless them take that person specifically who's been the evil one and don't resist them. He, 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 he says, no, rather than resist them by, by like, like, like staying away from them or, or, or retaliating somehow, even from withholding. He says, go beyond just like keep your mouth shut. Like don't say anything, just keep your mouth shut. Just ignore them, right? And they'll go away. That's what, they, that's what we tell our kids, right? Just ignore them and they'll go away. No, he's saying, no, don't ignore them love them. This is revolutionary what Jesus is saying. The scribes and the Pharisees are always out there trying to figure out, oh, you did this, I'm going to retaliate, and Jesus is like, "No. Nah, someone backhands you? Take it. Offer them love in, 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 in response. Can you honestly look through the Gospels and say Jesus didn't model this? This is exactly how Jesus acted. If you've ever sat under leadership, you know what is impressive to me with a leader? Someone who doesn't ask you to do things that they're not willing to do themselves. Some leaders do that. I get in a position where I don't want to do the, all the things I don't want to do, I don't have to do anymore, right? I, I I think that the best leader should be the one who will clean the toilets, right? Like, I, I don't want to ever be that guy who like goes to our headquarters and goes, what, no one clean the toilets? No, what am I above cleaning? Like none of us are above that, right? And and so Jesus models all of these things, which is, is beautiful. And now we'll get to your notes. It's just the introduction. <laughs> but it'll go kind of fast. So so here's specifically what I think I think Jesus is teaching us, and and, and the context is this: how we're going to be salt and light. What's going to be different about us? How are we going to live in such a way that people are somehow preserved by it in a rotting world? And some, somehow they see something beyond the darkness that they normally see in us. How is that going to happen? And, and so I think one of the things is this, is think the best of people. Do you think the best of people? When I, what, I'm, what I mean by that is this. I think typically we do math like this. We do society math like this. That person acted like a jerk because that person is a jerk, jerk right? That's like an eye for an eye, right? We, that's, Jesus was so beyond this. Jesus didn't do math that way. Jesus didn't say that person acts like a jerk because that person is a jerk. Jesus looked at people and said, that guy is acting like a jerk because things have happened to them in their life. And they're broken. And what they need is they need healing. They need something more. Jesus thought the best of people. How many of you guys have realized that Jesus thought the best of you? I mean, there was times in my life, there still is times in my life where, don't we all, like, we go, Jesus loves me. You go, Why? Right. We all do that because he just chooses to see something more in you than you see in yourself. And he does that with everybody. And he's inviting us to do that. Jesus sees people and and he, and he thinks the best about people. And so here's a few hints for us. What if we treated everybody like this? Like everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. If you go to this foster care camp, you're going to see these kids acting up. And here's the thing. I'll tell you right now, part of your training. Our job is not to fix their behavior. Our job is to just pour seeds of love into their hearts. Our job is not to fix them. It's to love them. And that's what Jesus does to us. Everybody has a story. we, we, We say it like this, but by the grace of God. What does that mean? That means... If your story was like that person's story, you might be a jerk too. We don't like to think that, right? That's why we we talk about things like white privilege, right? If you grew up in a neighborhood and everything was handed to you, then you probably act like a certain standard that society accepts. If you grew up in a really hard neighborhood, it might be totally different. Sometimes the only difference between you who thinks you're good and that person who you think is bad is just how you got raised, right? And Jesus sees things this way. Jesus knows that everybody has a story. And letter B is this. Hurt people hurt people, right? When are we going to break the lot the chain, right? Someone gets hurt, and then they harden their heart. And then they get defensive. And then they start hurting people. Because hurt people hurt people. How do we break the cycle? Hurt people hurt people. When hurt people start loving people, when hurt people start loving people, it breaks the cycle. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, yeah, you got hurt. But don't be the hurt person that hurts people. Hurt people can flip it around and start loving people when they're in christ then they can start being salt and light and here's the third one is god's love can change stories god's love changes stories matter of fact god's love can change stories and change hearts and guess what it's changed hearts and changed stories that are what display god's love to the world it's our testimonies about how God has been good to us and us being good to people just because God has been good to us. This becomes the testimony of our lives. This is how we become salt and light. If you, if you want more on this, this week, read Luke 19. It's a story about this kid, Zacchaeus. He's not a kid anymore, but he's a wee little man. You guys ever heard of Zacchaeus? When you're, when you're in your children's church here, you, hear, you, 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 you uh, sing a song about him, right? The wee little man, Zacchaeus. And basically, Jesus is walking through Jericho, uh, uh, Zacchaeus' town. And Zacchaeus, it says, is a chief tax collector. What that means is is that Zacchaeus is, is, is Jewish, and he works for the Roman government. And what he does is he goes around and he takes money from the Jewish people and gives it to the Romans. Do you think the Jewish people like him? They hate him. And he's the chief tax collector of Jericho. That means he's in charge of all the other tax collectors. He's the worst guy. And he's a little man. You ever had a, someone with a little man's complex? And you're like, I would squash you if you were You know what I mean? If you weren't an anthrop- in That's this guy. And everybody hates him. And Jesus is walking through the town. And Zacchaeus shows up to this place where everyone hates him. And he climbs up this sycamore tree. It's like 35 feet high. That's on average. And they're great climbing trees. Just to see Jesus. Everybody hates him. Jesus is walking by, and he goes, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. Come down, we're having a sleepover at your house tonight. That's literally what it says. I mean, not literally, but that's what he says. He says, I'm going to stay with you tonight. I'm going to have a sleepover at your house. And all the people go, why is he talking to that notorious sinner, is how it re- says it. Why? And what's, what's Zacchaeus' response? Zacchaeus immediately has a change of heart. He says, if anybody, if I've wronged anybody, I'll give them four times uh, the amount. You're only supposed to give 20% above. So like if you stole $100 from someone, you would just owe 120 He's like, no, I'm going to give 400%. $400. And I'm going to give away half of everything I have to the poor. 20% was a huge deal in that time. You gave 20% to the poor. It's like when you, you know, when you go, we, we go and we get good service. 15% is like because you're nice. 18%, you're feeling generous and they did a pretty good job. 20%, they did a really good job, right? 20% is huge. He's going to get 50%. Can you imagine going and giving a 50% tip? If you're a, is there any waiters here or waitresses? Someone gave you a 50% tip. Are you, is that generous? yes right Zacchaeus Jesus felt the same way Zacchaeus's heart is changed why because everyone else sees him as a notorious sinner but Jesus sees him as somebody who's all his life has just wanted acceptance and no one gave it to him he probably got bullied because he was short right it happens in our society and he thought you know what I'll, I'll I'll trick them I'll become rich and then everyone will have to do everything I say and that didn't work he's still miserable Jesus walks by, gives them that one thing he's always needed, love and acceptance. And it changes everything. Because Jesus' love, God's love changes stories. And then, number two in your notes is this. we got to learn to choose our battles wisely. How many of you guys, you fight every battle, right? You ever met someone who has a chip on their shoulder? Like, everything becomes a battle, Right? You you're, you're, you're go to the grocery store, and someone, like, you're, you're walking towards this line. You ever had this happen? I mean, I'm just speaking from experience, right? And then all of a sudden, someone, like, cuts in front of you. They walk faster. They go, that's my lane, right? We want to fight everybody. Really? Cut me off? Right in front of me? Like, like that's the, like the worst thing. That, like, we, we just kind of just, like, we get overwhelmed, Right, right? We, we get like like our, our, our cup is full in a bad way and one drop and we spill, right? And we don't often choose our battles wisely. But Jesus teaches this. Your enemy is not your enemy. He says, don't resist the one who's evil. Why? Because the one who's evil is not your enemy. Or he could say it like this. People who are sinners are not your enemy. As a matter of fact, people who are sinners are your mission field. People who are sinners are not your enemy. People who are sinners are your mission field. That's what Jesus is trying to teach. That's what Jesus modeled. And here's something amazing. Unexpected love is the most powerful weapon on the earth. Unexpected love is the most powerful weapon on the earth. And not a weapon of destruction, but a weapon of redemption. Jesus says, go out and offer unexpected love. When someone backhands you, what do they expect? They expect a fight. But what if you don't give a fight? Unexpected love is the most powerful weapon, I think, that exists. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who would have been very familiar with this, if you, when you look about the persecuted church, this guy was right in the middle of it. And he said, evil will become powerless when it finds no opposing object, no resistance, but instead is willingly born and suffered. Have you ever had somebody, when you expected them to be prideful and to fight you, and they just they just kind of like defeat you with humility. In other words, you, you ever you ever been kind of like gearing up for a fight, and then you were expected that somebody just blew your mind and treated you way differently than you thought they were gonna. You ever had somebody just give you unexpected love? You ever had somebody just do like a random act of we call a random act of kindness, like just out of nowhere, they don't even know you. And all of a sudden, they just do something for you that was unexpected. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It stops you in your track. It's unexpected, right? We kind of get in this mode where, I don't know if, if you do this too, but I drive defensively. And when I, when I say I drive defensively, I like watch. Like, and, and people, I, I, that guy's trying to get in front of me, right? You could see them doing their thing, like they're pretend like they're not because they are. I'm not going to let them, right? I'm going to pretend like I'm, I don't even notice them, right? And I'm going to, like, I'll slow down, I'll speed up. Or you ever had anyone do that to you? You're trying to trick them? Like, you know if you put your blinker on, no one's letting you over, right? So you got to do, the, like, the California trick, right? And then, and then they, and they, and they, they, and you miss your exit, right? That's how we treat each other. That's how we expect now, right? you got to kind of watch your back. We kind of expect people to wrong you, to take advantage of you. When somebody goes out of their way and breaks that cycle, it's noticed. Would you guys agree with that? Jesus is asking us to be those people. Unexpected love is a powerful weapon. And we'll have the worship team come back up. And letter three is this. Is treat people better than they deserve. Or treat people better than you think they deserve. Because the fact is, God treats us better than we deserve. God treats us better than we deserve. And we have a word for that. We call it grace, right? Grace is the fact that God treats us better than we deserve. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve God's love. But God loves us, forgives us, and gives us salvation by grace. God treats us better than we deserve. And God calls us to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And the Bible calls this steadfast love. Steadfast is the Christian word for stud, by the way. What steadfast is, the word steadfast, it means unmoved, no matter what people do to you or don't do for you, right? When you're steadfast, you do what you do because of who you are, right? We're not often like that. You might say it like this. God calls us to be have soft hearts and thick skin. Most of us, most of us have thin skin. We easily are bothered. We easily want to fight back. We're easily bothered. We have thin skin and we have hard hearts. We guard our hearts in the wrong ways, right? We have these hard hearts and these thin skin. He's you know, going to be soft hearted and being thick skinned. And that's how we have steadfast love. It's treating people doing what's right to people, loving people, regardless of what they do to you. It's what Jesus is talking about. If they backhand you, offer them love. That's steadfast love, right? If they sue you and take your tunic, right? Offer them more. You don't, who cares about a tunic? You know, what that, you know what you're saying to that person? You're saying, I'll give you my cloak. Why? Because you're more important than material things. People are more important than stuff. People are people feeling loved is more important than you being right. So steadfast love means being unmoved. It's kindness no matter whether the person deserves it or not. Now here's the thing that I think is important for us to see. What's the difference between being passive and being actively kind? I'll tell you what the difference is. Somebody who's passive means someone backhands you And you don't have the guts to stand up for yourself, and so you cower away. It's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about someone who's actively kind. They backhand you. You could react, but you choose not to. You choose to give kindness instead. It's not a weakness. It's a meekness. That's the difference between weakness and meekness. Weakness is this passivity where, where you're just afraid of everybody. You're afraid of confrontation. But active kindness is having the power to do something about it, but choosing not to for the purpose of being salt in light of allowing your love, of seeing them. There's probably a reason why they're acting like that, and I want to be compassionate towards that, and I want to break the cycle because hurt people hurt people. They hurt me because they're hurt, and now I got hurt, so now what am I going to do? Go Now now and to go hurt someone else? That's what we do, right? You ever had a really bad day or someone did something, and then you, and then you start treating the people you love the most bad? I do that. You come home after a bad day at work, and you start treating your fam- family bad, right? He's saying, break the cycle. Someone's got to. Jesus did. When he came, he broke the cycle, and he called us to be disciples, which are cycle breakers, right? To be salt and light. So do the right thing because it's the right thing. And then letter C is this, simply this. Love others because you've been loved. 1 John 4, 19 says this. It says, we love God. Because he first loved us. He initiates. So here's the cycle. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And we could go around the room. God loves you. He loves you. He proved it. God loves you. God loves you. If that really sunk in, the first thing that you would do is you'd be like, wow unexpected kindness. God loves me. And, the, and, and then we would start to fall in love with him. God loves you. And then you start to fall in love with him because we love God because he loved us first. And then he sends us out in the world as loved. And he says, now you go do that with others. Tag, your it. Go love others before they love you. Go love others and then some people will love Christ because you loved them. And this verse will mean it like this. And this is all of our, a lot of our testimonies. Some of you guys, a human being loved you first and showed you God's love. So God loved you through someone else. And then you fell in love with God. And he wants us to live this way. Let this cycle flow. That's what it looks like to be salt and light. You got to realize God loves you just the way you are. And the truth is that He loves you so much, He will not allow you to stay that way. You're going to grow. But He loves you just the way you are, and He sends you out to offer love in that same way. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll worship, and then we'll leave, and we'll practice this stuff. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are the greatest leader, that You led by serving That you led by grace. That you came when we totally didn't deserve it. And you died on a cross. A death you didn't deserve. And you give us love that we don't deserve. And God, it's unexpected love. It should be. We should never stop being wowed by that. And I just pray, God, that you would wow us this morning with, with an awe of how much you love us. And that somehow you would begin to give us thick skin as we realize that we're already taken care of, that we're already accepted, that we're already loved. We don't need the world to show us love and acceptance because we already have it. We can be people who are loved and accepted, and we can go out and change the world by loving and accepting people who don't deserve it, just like we don't deserve it. Change us, God. Amen.